got your Bibles, turn with me to Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3. And uh, we, want to, uh, we want to look at this chapter and we want to continue with our thought here uh, in Colossians as we've spoke to you over the last several, several weeks. Paul here, I remember this group of, of people here, Paul has not actually been there. He, he heard about this group. He's writing to them from prison. And uh, he is, he's talking to them. And he's sharing with them. And he's encouraging because they have, done a, they have started out good, but they've, as, as time would have it, uh, sort of uh, folks that got, in, got involved with them, that got to telling them the wrong thing, what the truth. And so they begin to listen. They begin to teeter-totter a little bit. And so Paul was encouraging them to, to hang on to what they have. I want to talk to you tonight on this thought. I thought this would be a good, a good title here for the, for the beginning of this year uh, because we've come through the, everybody say, uh, the old year. Now we're in a new year. So we want to talk a little bit about the old self, all right? We may look at, look at it from the standpoint of 2016 if you want to, but now we're in the new year, so we want to, we've got to do some changes maybe in this, in this new self of us. And so uh, we, want to, we want to look at that. Look with me in Colossians chapter 3, verse number 1. The Bible says, If then you were raised with Christ, then seek those things which are above. Now we read these first two or three verses for you last time we spoke. Uh, we, we actually finished up in chapter 2, but we took you over into chapter 3. We're going to start there. We'll be taking our main thought here out of, out of verse 4 through 7, somewhere in there. But I wanted, to, I wanted to go back here and pick this up. If then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God. Verse 2 says, set your mind on things above and not on things on the earth. Set your mind on things above. Everybody say above. Not on things on the earth. For you died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. Now here we go. When Christ who is our life appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Therefore, put to death your members which are on the earth, fornication, uncleanness, passion, evil desire, covetousness, which is idolatry. <clears throat> because of these things, the wrath of God is coming upon the sons of disobedience. In which you yourselves were, you, in which you yourselves once walked, when you lived in them. Going down to verse number eight here, but now you yourselves are to put off all of these: anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy language out of your mouth. Do not lie to one another, since you have put off the old man with his deeds, and have put on the new man, who is renewed in him or renewed in knowledge, according to the image who created him how many knows that we have or had and sometimes still do have an old self that likes to raise his ugly head or her ugly head from time to time we all fight that we all fight that old man that old woman if you want to look at it and uh, and it tries to come back up and this happened with the church of Colossians as well. And Paul was trying to encourage them. I want you to, you've died in Christ. Now I want you to put away those things. I want you to do your best to put away those things. If, if you're a Christian tonight, and I pray that every one of you are, if you're a Christian tonight in Colossians, when you read Colossians chapter 3, really this whole chapter, it really has a lot of application that he can give to you and I both when we really look at it. There's a lot of application that we can really apply to who we are as God's man or as God's woman when we look at this. If we're, if we're really to understand the meaning of what Colossians chapter 3 says, first of all, 
there has to be a profession of faith that you have professed the fact that I know, that I know, that I know that I'm saved. I know that I know that there is a God. I know there's a heaven. I know there's a hell. I know there's a Lord. I know there's a Jesus that died on the cross for me. I'm professing that fact. Because if I cannot profess that fact, then for you and I to seek the truth that's in chapter 3 here is going to be null and void because it won't happen. We'll not understand what we're reading. We'll not understand what the Apostle Paul here is trying to talk with. It's not, it's not going to get across to us if at first we don't profess the fact of knowing that Jesus Christ is Lord. So before we go on any further, I want us just to establish that first. How many beyond a shadow of a, of a doubt knows that Jesus Christ is Lord? Say amen. <laughs> now how many understands and say amen with me that you know beyond a shadow of a doubt that you are part of the family of God? Amen. Amen. So we once established that. So when we, when, we, when we trust in verse 3, it talks about when we trusted Christ, we've got to think of our salvation as a, as a literal death, so to speak. The Bible says, for you died with him. Talk about the old man. This old man has died. It, we, we've, we've, we've put to death the old man. I'm not who I used to be. I may look like I used to. Don't get me wrong now a little bit. Because we, I'm not trying to teach you about because I, I, know, I know folks, too, that got saved and they didn't look like much, but the next time you saw them, boy, they cleaned up real good. But I'm talking about I may look the same necessarily on the outside, but this old carnal man that used to be on the inside is not there anymore. He's cleaned up. And so what, what works on the inside will eventually come out on the outside. You've heard me say this a thousand times. I grew up in a church, and probably you may have, too, where when somebody got saved, it was all this stuff, where the Parker, what I can't do now, on the outside, not necessarily on the inside. And I think we have done damage to the body of Christ because we've run a lot of people out of church because we kept telling them what you can't do, can't do, can't do, instead of what you can do. And instead of allowing God to do the work on the inside, and then it comes out, right? And so we've, we've got to allow the Lord to work on the inside of us to change us, to help us, to, to sanctify us, if you will, that old self, so we can become that new man that God wants us to be. Paul said, and he states here, that there's an urgency. And I, and I can really tell you, and I really believe this tonight, church. He said in Colossians, there's an urgency for you and I to put away the old thing. Even tonight, let me tell you, there's an urgency for you and I to put away the old things. There's an urgency for you and I to put away the old self. Now, I, now I know I'm talking to the choir tonight. Understand that. But hear me tonight. If you're here under the sound of my voice tonight and you're playing around, if you're messing around on God, if, you, if, you, if you're stepping out on God, let me just put it that way, there's an urgency for you to put away the old stuff. There's an urgency for you to do away with the old junk that kept you going down the road that you had no business going down in the first place. Amen. There's an urgency. Why, why pastors, there's an urgency? Have you not read the scriptures? Have you not saw the signs of the times? Have you not seen everything that's going on today? Because the urgency is he's coming. The urgency is we have no hope of tomorrow. I don't want any of you to perish tonight or tomorrow. But the truth is, Tina, we don't have a hope of tomorrow. That's the truth. The bottom line, I don't care how old we are. We have no hope of tomorrow. 
So there's an urgency of putting away the things of the earth, putting away those old things. And we, we cannot go on living as though we're alive to sin. When the Bible, Paul here is telling us, you died in your sin. You died in Christ. You put away those old things, and now you're a new man. He says whatever belongs to your earthly nature is literally the members that are upon the earth. You've obtained that because you were born into sin, but you've put away those things. And so then what do we need to put away then? If that's the case, then what do we need to pull away? put away? Well, Scripture here talks about in verse 4 and verse 5, those things, it gives us a list of those things that we're having to deal with and, and cautions, really, that we're needing to look at. And that we may not like to talk about it, but, the, but it's still true today. Still, we're dealing with that every, every, every day of our life. We're dealing with some of these, this list here every day of our life. We see it on our television sets. We, we hear about it on the news. We're dealing with this every day. These are cautions that if we're not careful, we'll fall into, into these spiritual disciplines or spiritual failures, if you will, if we're not careful. You, you, you've heard this and you know this to be fact. I can't remember the stat now, but it's an alarming rate of how many Christians are leaving their faith every day. It's an alarming fact of how many ministers are leaving the pulpit every day because of failures, moral failures or whatever they may be, simply that they're, that they're a part of. And it's an alarming rate. But this caution here, it tells us to we need to avoid immorality. Put away those things. Fornication, idolatry, all of those things. Put away those things. Every form of fornication, when you look in the Scripture, was, was, was seriously condemned by the Mosaic Law. Go back in Leviticus chapter 21 and 9, and 19 and 29, Deuteronomy 22 and 20, uh, chapter 21 and 23. Look at Exodus chapter 22 and 16. They, they, they seriously condemned this type of behavior. Paul was urging the Colossians church, You've put away, you've done a good thing. You've listened to the truth. Don't leave the truth. Hold on to the truth. And I can tell you tonight, listen, church of God, don't leave the truth. Hold on to what you know to be true in these last days. Hold on to what you know to be right in these last days. In the Old Testament, it talks about, uh, that, that they talked about stoning prostitutes, death to land, death to the families because of an unfaithfulness. Aren't you glad you live in a New Testament time? Aren't you glad that you're living in, in grace and mercy these days? Amen. I am too. It, it, immorality, fornication often means when we forsake God because how we follow and, we, and we, we forsake God and we begin to follow idols, whatever that may be. I, an idol just, just isn't some, some little statue that we keep up in our house somewhere. That's not all an idol is. Now, I know there's people that may worship tangible material idols like that. But these idols here we're talking about, there's, there's all kinds of things. You know, it could be self that we're worshiping. could be ourself that we're worshiping. How do we see ourselves <coughs> in comparison to how God sees us? What are we going to do with, with, with us sometimes? How are we going to deal with us sometimes? Because the truth of the matter is, that old self sometimes has a way of coming back and it gets in the way of the new man. Didn't Paul talk about it? He said, sometimes, boy, I fight within myself. There's two natures living on the inside of me. There's that old carnal man that keeps trying to raise his ugly head. There's a spiritual man. And he comes to the conclusion, if I feed one more than the other, 
then that one I feed is going to grow. Now, I know I'm standing in front of you. We've just come through Christmas. We've just come through the holidays. And so you may look at me and say, Pastor, I think you've gained a few pounds. You may be right. That's all right. Keep your opinion to yourself. But you understand the principle, whatever we put in, you know, something's going to grow. Something is going to grow. And so when we're dealing with the carnal nature and the spiritual nature, it's the same thing. It's the same process. So in New Testament idols, and they're not limited to all these things, but self is one of these things. 2 Corinthians 10 and 12 says, When you measure yourself by one another and compare themselves with one another, they are without understanding. I can't compare myself to you and you can't compare yourself to me in those terms. But we've got to compare ourselves the way the Lord looks at us. Are we lining ourselves up with the Scripture? Are we following what the Lord tells us and asks us to do according to the Word of God? That's why Brother Earl, Paul says he's, he's urging me, put away the old carnal self. He knows the direction that I'll go when I listen to the carnal self. He knows, I pro he knows, and you know it too if you'll be honest with yourself. He knows if I allow myself to walk down that carnal road, I ain't going to be worth looking at. I ain't going to be worth nothing because I'll destroy this body inside and outside. You've, you've heard me talk a little bit about this, but it, it amazes me. I, in, in my office the other day, there was this man that came in that needed help. And he, he, his, one, a friend that came with him because he couldn't talk real well. His speech was slurred a little bit, not because he was drunk or on drugs or anything. It was just it was a stroke that he had uh, a, a few years earlier. And, and I looked at him, and, and he was able to hear me, and he was able to talk a little bit. But in our conversation, I asked him, how old are you? That's a dangerous thing to do sometimes. I know that's a dangerous thing with women, but, you know, but with men, you, you, you can get by with it. Now, this is what I know. It was before I had a birthday this past year in 2016. Now, many of y'all know how old I turned in 2016, right? I'm not going to go there, but y'all know. We, you know, after you reach Brother Larry a certain age, you don't, you don't count no more, right? That's what I've heard anyway. I think I'm there. So this man, we was talking, I said, how old are you? And he told me, he said, I am 51 years old. I looked at him, and I could not believe what I was looking at because he looked 75, if not more. Couldn't believe it. Now, I didn't, I didn't go into detail with him about his life and how hard his life was and all those kind of things, but he aged, and I'm thinking, my Lord. And I got a little prideful then, and I said, I look better now. But I wouldn't mean it in an ugly way. And I'm thinking, Lord, you've been good to me. I may be a little overweight, and I may be short and bald-headed, but I don't look that bad. Uh-huh. Do you understand what I'm trying to say? I'm not trying to be ugly. I'm just saying sin sometimes in that old carnal man will take us down a road and a path that we don't need to be down. We don't, we don't need to be down that road. And if you think that you're esca escaping because you're the only one that knows what's going on, you're fooling yourself. If you think you're escaping you know, the, the judgment of God, you're fooling yourself. Paul was telling the church, I urge you, get rid of self. Another one of those things, those idols, those, those, those immorality things that we have to deal with is time. Everybody say time. Pastor, time, what are you talking about? How can, that be a, how can that be an idol? How much work do you do? How much time do you rest? How well do you make use of your time? Ephesians chapter 5, verse 15 says, Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of your time. Making the best use of your time. Sometime, this is going to get tongue tangled here. Sometime, time <laughs> can be a negative influence on us. 
There's moments that time gets away from us. There's moments that I wish there were more time in the day to accomplish more things, right? We run out of time, it seems. But the truth is, time's always been around and it always will be around. Right? Same amount of time. All the time. 24 hours a day. And so we, we deal with those things. But there's another one of those things called possessions. What do you do with your stuff? What does your stuff mean to you? Is your stuff the idol that's, that's holding you down? The stuff. The stuff. Possessions. Luke 12 and 15 says, Take care and be on your guard against all covetedness. For one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. You may have a bunch of stuff, but is that who you are? Does that make you you, in other words? What makes you you? Is it the car? Is it the house? Is it the, is it the bank account? Is it the stuff? Is it the toys? What makes you you? You say, Pastor, what has this got to do with my spirituality? It's got a whole lot to do with it. Because if I allow these things to get in the way of my relationship with God, and I get it out of balance and my priorities get messed up, I cannot have a proper, right relationship with God. Can I help us tonight? We ain't nothing. We ain't got nothing, and we, ever, we, we never will be nothing except for the mercy and the grace of Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank God for He has blessed me with things. Nothing wrong with things. But if those things get in the way of my relationship, do you understand this? God blesses you so you can bless somebody else. That's the reason. That's the whole reason He blesses you. He blesses you and touches you so you can touch and bless somebody else. Amen. Amen. Thank God for His possessions, but God helped me to realize that in a proper perspective so I won't get, I won't get messed up here with this, with this idol that's in my life that sometimes I may not even realize it's there. Another thing is passion. What are you excited about? What, you, what excites you? What motivates you? And, 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 and I'll say this again, I, 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 for me, I love, and it's not because I don't love Sunday, don't get me wrong, I love Sundays. I love when we all come together and, and we have music and we have playing and we have clapping and we have shouting and we have preaching and we have good altar service and thank God that, that somebody gave their hearts to the Lord last Sunday. My prayer is, God, every Sunday let somebody be saved. Why can't that be? It can be. Oh, this is 2017, Lord, let every Sunday let somebody be saved. I like Sundays, but, but here's... Here's the thing. I love Wednesday night church. The reason I like it is because we can just take the Word of God and we can start dividing it up and talking about it and learning. You, you, I, can, I can say things to you, and, and I know some of you may not understand what I'm talking about. Brother Parker, you know what I'm talking about. You can dissect some things on Wednesday nights that you can't do on Sunday morning. You, know, you can teach a little bit. You say, well, Pastor, you're the pastor, so why don't you teach on Sunday morning? Well, I guess I could. And, but, but it's more... Never mind, I ain't going to go there. You can, just, you can just spend some time on Wednesday nights. And you can deal with some things. And I like that. I love, I love being able to interact with, with, with the people and, and being able to understand what the Lord is trying to talk to us about. That's what I'm talking about, about, about the time and these passions. What, what, what motivates us? What excites us in our life? Is it that stuff that we have? Is it the things that we get to do, so to speak? 1 Peter 2 and 11 says, abstain from the passions of the flesh. Don't allow those things of the flesh to excite you so much. That's where we get into trouble sometimes. That's where we get our, our thinking is messed up. That's why, that's why divorces happen. Pastor, you start, you start your married class tonight? Could be. <laughs> 
because we get those fleshly things in our mind. Oh, she looks better than my wife. Well, he, he's built a little better than, than my husband. He's got, he's got arms that's got, he's, this guy's got a six-pack, my husband's got a keg. You know, that kind of thing. <laughs> you know, and so we start, we start putting our eyes on other things. You know, it, it, looks, it looks better over there. I preached a little bit that, about that Sunday, about what are you hoping for uh, for the new year because if we're not careful, we get our eyes off what's really important. We start putting them over, the, over here on things that we think the grass is greener over there on the other side, and it ain't. It ain't. Passions, passions. There's another thing that's called influences. What company do you keep? What kind of influence do you, do you have or what, what, what does somebody else have over you? 1 Corinthians 15 and 33 says, Bad company ruins good morals. Bad company ruins good morals. Uh, you may already know this, but whatever a man seeks, whatever a man honors, and when I say man, I'm meaning men and women, whatever a man exalts more than God, more than God, then that is the God of that person, whatever it may be. That is the God of that person. That is called idolatry, whatever it may be. It's called idolatry, all right? So whatever, whatever I'm placing above my God, whatever I'm placing above the Creator, whatever I'm placing above the one that died for me, whatever I'm placing above the one that shed His blood for me, Whatever, whatever I'm placing above the one that hung on the cross between heaven and hell for me, he didn't have to, but he done it anyway because he loved me. Then, I, then, I've, then I've got idols in my life. Amen. So then those things that we, that we use to cheat on God, your idol, whether, whether you believe this or not, and uh, your idol will ultimately come out at some point. I don't know when, but it ultimately at some point your idol will will come out. It'll show its ugly face. It'll show its ugly head at some point. What you worship on the inside, it'll eventually come out on the, out, on the outside. There's a scripture that says, be, better be, be, better be careful because your sin will find you out. It'll happen. I don't know when it's going to happen. And you don't know the surrounding circumstances of how that will come about, but it will, it will, it will definitely come about. It'll definitely come about. There's a second caution here that Paul told the church here. Instead, uh, you know, he talked about avoiding, um, where am I at here? Uh, avoiding immorality. He also said, "I want you to avoid impurities, or uncleanness, if you will, in these scriptures." This second sin here, impurity, is spoken in First Thessalonians four and seven. It says, "God has not called us for impurity, but in holiness." Therefore, whoever disregards this disregards not man, but God who gives His Holy Spirit to you. That, that, that word impurity here is just, a, is just an uncleanness. Now, Paul talks about it here. In one sense, it's a sexual uncleanness. It's a sexual uncleanness. And the word is used where we get our word pornography today. Where we get the word pornography today. It's impure. What does pornography do? It cruds your mind up. It clouds your mind up. Amen. It'll destroy your mind. It stains your soul. It defiles your soul. Another thing that it does, it imprints, it puts pictures in your mind. Pastor, what in the world are you talking about this on a Wednesday night for? Don't know, maybe one of, some of you need to hear it. Apparently Paul understood that there were some folks here in, the, in Colossians that, under, that needed to hear this thing. 
It imprints upon your mind. It imprints that image, that corrupt, that perversion, that twist. I think I'm going to be okay by saying this for you guys. But sex is okay in God's eyes. Do you understand what I'm trying to say? When it's, when it's used in the correct form and way with God, it's all right. It's not a dirty word. We've used it as a dirty word many times, and man has corrupted that little three-letter word, but it's not a dirty word. But when perversion is added to it, <laughs> when we allow the impurities or the uncleanness to come with that, it causes it to be distorted. Do you understand that's what the enemy always does in our, that wants to do in our life? He always wants to distort those things that God meant to be pleasing and nice and good. Yes, he does. And that's what he'll use. It imprints. There's this false perception, improper uh, perception of the, of the opposite gender. Uh, it, it's, it's addictive. It's destructive power. Listen to me. Hollywood, and I don't know if these are, these are, some, these are, some, these are some old stats here back in 2005, 2006. I didn't even take the time to look it up because to me this was even startling. Back in 2005, 2006, these are some stats. Hollywood released over 11,000 adult movies per year, more than 20 times the mainstream movie production. You think about this. You're talking about a corrupt generation and why we have a corrupt generation? 11,000 adult movies. In the Times Magazine in 2002, that they said the average teenager spent three to four hours a day. I did look this up. That ranges anywhere from three to five hours right now in 2017. The average teenager spends three to four to five hours a day watching television, and 83% of the programming most frequently watched by adolescents contains some type of sexual encounter. I don't care. Let me back up here. I may be wrong here saying this because I don't watch TV a whole lot as far as a lot of the sitcoms. But almost every sitcom, let me put that almost, almost every sitcom, if you watch it, will have some kind of sexual uh, innuendo in, involved in that, in that television show. Almost every one of them. And I'm preaching to myself just like I'm preaching to you guys tonight, and we watch these things and we don't think anything about it these days. It just, it's because it's normal anymore. It's normal. And then we wonder why do we have the problem that we have with our teenagers having sex. Pastor, our teenagers don't have sex in the church. I'm not going to even give you the stats on the church teenagers. Because that would alarm some of you. Just go do some homework and just do some study. Go to George Barnes and just pull that up. Just look at it. It'll surprise some of you. That's why it's so important. We was talking even today. Dad and I and Wayne was having a meeting today. We was talking how important it is for us to invest in our kids and invest in our youth of this church. We, we've got to invest in them. We've got to invest in our children. We've got to invest in our youth. We've got, to, we've got to pray for them. We've got to undergird them. We've got to strengthen them. We've got to allow them to be a part of the process, right? We've got to allow them to be part of ministry. We've got to allow them. They may not talk like you. So what? They may not sing like you. So what? They may not like the same music that you like. So what? But at least get them inside and get them in the church house and let them start worshiping God. Let them start doing some things for God. Amen. Keep them involved in what we're talking about. And, and, so, and so we understand there's, there's a problem here. This old self we're talking about. 
38% of adults believe it is morally acceptable to look at pictures of nudity and explicit sexual behavior according to Barna Research. 38%. Well, Pastor, it's just art. <laughs> Old self. Those are things we've got to deal with. We might as well just fess up. We've got to deal with some things. We've got to get some things under the blood. Amen. Get some things under the blood. They say that the revenues of the sex and porn industry in the U.S. are bigger. Are bigger than the NFL, the NBA, and the Major League Baseball all combined. Revenues. I'm going to tell you, sports makes money. They make all kinds of money. Sports is a big industry business thing. Right? Charles, I'm just going to pick you up. What's the last, what's the last price you paid for a, for a ticket? Do you remember? 80 bucks. He's just one man. <laughs> you think about how much that stadium, do the math. How many of you stay there? 40, 50, 50 75,000? <laughs> Sports is big business, but they say that revenues of the sex and porn industry makes more than these combined. 60% of all website visits are sexual in nature. So you understand we've got a huge problem. We've got a big problem. And so if we're raised with Christ, then, then Paul is trying to tell us if you're raised with Christ and you've died to self, then you've got to seek those things which are above, not on things below. Seek those things which are above. Seek those things which are above. The Bible says in Romans now, because of that, there is now no, what? Condemnation. Because I'm setting my affection, I'm setting those things bigger than where I was, bigger than where I come from. I want to set my eyes upon, upon, upon the prize. I want to hold on to, to what God has blessed me with. Amen. Acts 3 and 19 says if, that, if, if we're in that situation, then we've got to repent and we've got to return to God. We've got to repent and return to God. Don't, don't allow the old self or, or what you did yesterday or the day before to bury you in 2017. Repent and turn to God. God is able to forgive you. And listen, if you know somebody like that, don't judge them. Don't judge them. Pray for them. Help them. Love them back to the family of God. Love them back to Jesus Christ. Amen. Do your best to get them out of the clutches of the enemy. Amen. Amen. We have, we've, we've, done so, we've done so wrong so, so often by judging others, judging our brothers and judging our sisters when we ought to pray for them and uplift them and, 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 and come and, and just support them. Amen. We've got to love them. Caution three is this, and I, my time is, is uh, quickly passing, but let me, let me hurry up. Paul says we've got to avoid worldly passion, lust, excessive affection. Those barriers, in other words, that, created, that was created between God and his followers through that, through that lustful longing that I have. That lustful longing that we have of falling away from God. Romans 1 and 21 says, Although they knew God, they did not honor Him as God or give thanks to Him, because they are, but they became futile in their thinking, and their foolish hearts were darkened. They knew God, but they didn't honor God. Boy, if that doesn't scream at us tonight, I don't know what will. We're, we're church folk. Many of us, if not all of us, are brought up in church. Some of you may not have been. But now you're in church. You understand those things. And so it says here, we, we knew, they knew God, but they didn't honor God. That doesn't need to be us. We know God, so let us honor God. It's going to be a, 
I don't know what we think sometimes when, we, uh, when, when the Lord comes back and we stand before Him. I don't know, I don't know what we think. You know, God, well, you sit on the church pew Sunday after Sunday. Why didn't you love me? Why didn't you honor me? Why didn't you follow after me? I understand you had issues. I understand you had problems, but so did everybody else. And, and but, but they came back and repented. But why didn't you? That's what Peter done. He, he denied the Lord, did he not? He denied him. But he had enough sense about him. He went out and he wept bitterly and he repented before God. And now we know him as the, as the rock where the church began. Upon this rock, I'll build my church. So we can do that. Mark 4, 19 shows, shows this, this thing talking about the, the choking of the word the cares of the world that have come in or deceitfulness of the riches or desires for other things, all of those things. Look, here's, here's some, I don't know if you, let me, let me make this statement see if you know who, who had this quote. It says here, without passion, you don't have energy. Without energy, you have nothing. And we're talking about here about lustful things. We're talking about what drives us, passion again. Without passion, you don't have energy. Without energy, you have nothing. We've got to have passion, don't we? We've got to have energy that drives us along the way. Your next president is the one that made that statement. I don't know if you agree with him or all that, but that's a pretty good statement, pretty good quote. So if we're passionate about the things of the world, gaining wealth through material riches, desiring that and, and lusting over those things that, that we can hold on to or tangible things, all of those things, then where can the love for the Lord be in all of that? Where can it be in all of that? The other, other caution he talked about is, he says, that he, you know, I want you to avoid evil desires. Don't, don't desire the things of the flesh. Desire the things of God. Desire can mean several things, but, but what, some of the things it can mean is coveting. Everybody say coveting. Everybody knows what coveting means? Longing for, yearning after that which you ain't got. <laughs> That's somebody else's. I want what you got. You know the old saying between husbands and wives, you know, wives says this, what's mine is mine and what he's got is mine. <laughs> you know, we laugh about that a lot, but, but, but we've got to be careful with the coveting here, yearning for. Romans 7 8 says, sin, seizing an opportunity through the commandment produced in me all kinds of covetousness. Sin in my life, it produced all of these things. I want it, it's mine, a desire, you know, and we're born with that. <laughs> How do you know that, Pastor. Because as, even as a little kid, you've heard you, you, your children grew up, and, and when they get around other kids, if they have their toys, they're my toys. You've heard that statement before? My toys. The other day we went through the holidays, and we picked up Ella at the daycare, and the first time we walked in the daycare, she says, I bit, I can't remember the little girl's name, I bit so-and-so. And we said, well, why did you do that? Because she got my stuff. I mean, she's able to come out with sentences now. Well, and we... And, and, and we, we laugh about that sometimes, and we may get on to the little children, but us grown-ups, we just about as bad. It's my stuff. My stuff. Covington, avoiding those evil desires, or being in control or out of control. <coughs> 1 Thessalonians 4 and 5 says, each, each one of you know how to control his, his body as in holiness and honor, not in the passion of lust like the Gentiles who do not know God. There's an illustration, I'll let you go with this. There's an illustration talking about a man and a woman who were shopping at a, at a mall and they were at this kiosk and they were shopping. And as the woman was, was working on this kiosk, 
and uh, it just the man was the husband was standing right beside her. This and this very well-looking young woman walked up beside of them and just passed him. You know, sort of walked beside him. And she had this real short, tight-fitting skirt on, all those kind of things, dressed. I mean, just a just a beauty uh, of this woman. And this man's eyes begin to wander off of the kiosk, off of his wife, and begin to follow that little short, skirted little girl walking away. And and without even looking up. Without even looking up, you know, from whatever this woman was doing at this kiosk, she asked him, was it worth the trouble you're in now? <laughs> was it, is it worth the trouble that you're in now? Now, let's just be honest with ourselves. Every one of us probably from time to time our eyes have wondered, looking at God's creation. <laughs> and we have found ourselves in trouble sometimes if we're not careful. Finding ourselves in trouble if we're not careful. But Paul is talking about if our evil desires get us into the hardest situations, we often do them without thinking many times. But regardless of the intent or the consequences of our actions, they still remain. We may say, I did not mean to do that. But the consequences are still there. You follow me, right? I didn't know I was going to look this way or do this, but the consequences is still there. You may not have meant to, but you did it because of lust, because of desire, because of these outward passions that, that rises up sometimes. If we're not careful, we still have to live with the consequences. And then the last one, and I'm not going to even talk about it, just give you a scripture that talks about avoiding greed. Avoiding greed. 1 Timothy 6, 9 says, Those who desire to be rich, full of Full fall into temptation, into a snare, into many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. What are you talking about, Pastor? Just go back in the scriptures and look at the rich young ruler. The rich young ruler one time came to Jesus and said, How, what, what can I do to have eternal life? Remember that? What can I do to have eternal life? Go sell everything you've got and come and follow me. Sell everything you've got, come and follow me. Get rid of every tangible, material, Thing that you have and come and follow me. Now, I want to ask you something tonight, church. I'm not Jesus and I'm not the Lord. I don't, I don't, I don't, uh, I don't, uh, I don't, I didn't die for you. But let me ask you a question, and I'm asking me too. Am I willing to do that? Am I willing to sell everything I have if the Lord asked me to and come and follow Him to wherever and do whatever He wants me to do? Am I willing to do that? Are you willing to do that? What is it, what's in your bank account tonight? What's those, what's those, what's those uh, 401k uh, stocks and all those kind of things that you have? How, mu how, much, how much is it worth? Are you willing to lay everything down if Christ, I mean, seriously, if he, if he came and said, hey, sell everything you got and come and follow me. Are we willing to do that in order to obtain, here's the kicker, everything? You understand? We think this little meager stuff that we got is everything sometimes. And it ain't. It's not everything. It ain't. My God owns the cattle of a thousand hills. He lays gold on the street for me to walk on one day. Hallelujah. But am I willing to lay everything down? And Paul says, I want you to avoid some things. Listen, Colossians, avoid these, these, you know, be cautious about these things that'll get you into trouble. Be cautious about these things that'll take you down a road that you don't need to go down. Get rid of the old self and put on a new man. 
I'm not an old man anymore. I, do, I still do some dumb stuff. You know, you know what I'm talking about? I still do some crazy things. I say, Lord, that was stupid. Forgive me. I didn't mean to say that. I didn't mean to do that. Forgive me. I, I still, you know, because an old man keeps wanting to rise up. But at least, God, give me enough sense to recognize that when I mess up, let me ask forgiveness. Let me just come run into you. And if we can do that, I promise you, we'll have a successful year in 2017. Let's pray. Father, we thank you tonight for your many blessings. We thank you for your joy that, uh, that is beyond measure at times. I thank you that you've saved us from an old life. I thank you, God, that we're walking a new man in you. We give you honor. We'll give you praise tonight. I pray that, uh, that any man, woman, boy, girl that may be here tonight, God, if they're, if they're dealing with some issues tonight that they're having problems with, that old self that just keeps wanting to raise its ugly head, God, help us, help us, oh Lord, give us strength to overcome that, uh, that affliction that the enemy wants to just keep uh, putting upon us. And we'll give you thanks. We'll give you praise. In Jesus' name, amen.